You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. All right, I am here. Aaron is here. Tom is on another vacation. We forgot about that yesterday. We always forget about his vacations, yet he takes so many of them. Um, He will call in for a brief chat. Uh, in about a half an hour or so. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. You don't have to spend one cent for new windows for two years. More on that coming up um, soon. Uh, What a change in the weather, Aaron. It felt comparatively to what we've had over the last week, like fall this morning, even though... You know, it was still relatively muggy with, with the rain, but God, it felt so nice with temperatures in the 70s, and it's supposed to be a spectacular rest of the week after today. You know, no hum- or very low humidity, temperatures in the 80s, and then getting hot again this weekend, but not 100-plus hot, which is nice. Maybe we just went through the heat wave of the summer. Now, We've had them before in August, certainly. Right. Um, but man, that was brutal late last week and over the weekend, and it felt great uh, this morning. Um, by the way, um, this morning I read um, I read Jerry Brewer's column in the Washington Post, and I would recommend it to all who are um, Wizards fans or you know are just interested in all of the monumental sports organizational changes. Um, Jerry's story uh, titled Succeed or Fail, Leonsis Bears the Brunt of Responsibility for Organizational Changes has a final paragraph that I want to read to you um, real quickly. It's not long, but uh, to me sums up his story um, and sums up in, in many ways the way I think. Um, quote, if it works, we will laud Leonsis's diligence and creativity. If it fails, we will mock the three months and three weeks Leonsis spent building a tech company structure for a franchise that just doesn't know basketball anymore. Closed quote. Uh, read the, read the column. I, I like Jerry a lot. I think Jerry writes. I think he's brave. I think, um, I just think he's smart too. And I, I, I typically like his columns. Um, and, uh, that one was a good read this morning. Again, if you're not into the wizards or Leonsis or monumental or anything, it'll, you know, it's not for you, but it was for me. Um, you know, Ted is part of that release yesterday. He, um, he said, it's a new leadership, new leadership team with a forward thinking structure to adapt to the new NBA that requires every possible strategic advantage with a leadership brain trust from inside and outside the NBA to challenge our thinking and adapt to an ever increasing competitive environment. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, what he said, whatever it means, I'm not sure if it's going to work or not. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Um, but let's just hope that the results, you know, are that the team ends up with the next LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, or Kawhi Leonard. You know, that's what it needs to result in somehow, some way. Like Wizards version 2021 needs a top five, top six or seven player. That's what it needs. You know, I, I again, I have no idea if Sashi Brown and Tommy Shepard and JT3 and all of these new people in this apparent new organizational construct, so unique, so smart, so tech industry-like, will succeed or not. I don't. But I just hope that somehow Rui Hachimura or Troy Brown Jr. turns into Kawhi Leonard because that's what has to happen for them to turn into a contender. 
Now, maybe all of this stuff, these org chart changes and this new think, um, this new strategy will result in the next Kawhi Leonard or Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or LeBron James. Um, I just don't know that I trust that it will instinctually. I, I, I got a bunch of tweets, one in particular from Corey, who said, and I'm paraphrasing, and I like Corey. Corey tweets me all the time, and he's smart, and he sends me a lot of good stuff. But he essentially, you know, ripped, ripped me for ripping the way Ted speaks. And he said, I, I don't necessarily know why you would rip somebody who, you know, isn't trying to speak to the lowest con- common denominator. Um, that's a, a paraphrasing of his tweet. But essentially, what I've said before is this. I, I just have often thought that those that speak that way, that speak in a business tech kind of a way with, you know, long paragraphs and and in business terms that they're covering up for something. It's not that I don't trust Ted Leonsis. I've said this a million times. I actually think he's created really good consumer products. I'm not talking about on the floor or on the ice, although they did win a Stanley Cup. I'm talking about you go to his arena to watch one of his teams. It's a first-rate experience, and I think he got he took a lot of what he learned in a consumer business, America Online, AOL, and brought it to sports, and I and I think he succeeded in that way. But there's a lack of trust I have in most people that talk that way, that talk like VPs of strategies, not CEOs who tend to be and understand that you've got to be a little bit more relatable to a larger, uh, your larger audience. But anyway, with that said, um, I hope it works. I do hope it works. Uh, but the bottom line is if they don't figure out a way via this organizational construct or any other to land an elite player, Along the way, they'll never contend because that's what the NBA is. By the way, Tommy Shepard announced yesterday, um, I think he did it on a podcast, actually. I'm trying to get him on this podcast. I am. Um, I put in for him, and we're going to see if we can get that worked out. Maybe tomorrow. I hope to have Tommy Shepard on the show. Um, But he announced yesterday on, I think, Woj's podcast that the team will offer Bradley Beal that three-year, $111 million maximum contract extension once he becomes eligible for it, which I think is this Friday. Shepard said, quote, at the very first moment allowed, we are going to offer Brad the full max extension. Um, Once they offer it to him on Friday, Beal has until October 21st to sign the extension, which would start with the 2021 22 season. So he's under contract for this season, and then he's under under contract for next season. And then after that, he could become an unrestricted free agent. If he signs this extension, it would add three years starting in 2021 to Beal's current deal. Um, we'll see if Bradley Beal signs that. Um, my feeling on the Beal loyalty thing from the Wizards is that the NBA favors the bold and unfaithful more than the methodical and loyal. I really do. I think the NBA favors those who are aggressive and not necessarily unfaithful or disloyal, but that you those that move on from really good players for a chance to get an elite player, it has a better chance of paying off in a big way. I personally would have been seeking out offers 
if I had been the Wizards, if I'm Tommy Shepard right now, to see if I could strike gold for a player at his most valuable level, perhaps. I mean, right now, Bradley Beal may be the most valuable he'll ever be as a trade piece. Two years left on a contract, coming off a 25-point-plus season, a player who more likely than not will never be in my view, the kind of a, a kind of a elite player that you have to have to build a championship contender around, I don't see Beal being that. I think Beal's a very good player, not an elite player. He's a top 25-ish player, not anywhere near a top 10-ish player, top 15-ish player. He's just not. He's closer to 30 than he is to 10. I appreciate the sense of loyalty to a very good player who is also a very good representative of any organization. But that appreciation and loyalty towards this player is not going to result in a championship contender. By the way, as an aside, I think Beal is going to have a massive season next year. It's not going to lead to playoffs. I think it's a team that'll struggle to win 30 games, but I could see him averaging 27, 28, 29 points a game next year. You know, and I know some of you will say that his supporting cast is going to hurt him. Not in an NBA regular season for a player like him. He can go get buckets. He's going to go off next year if healthy. Um, it's not, again, something that will lead to winning short-term and maybe not even long-term in my view without a true number one star, like a true number one you know, top 10, top 12 player star to go to go side by side with him. But I think he's going to have a big year next year. Um, all right, moving on to the Redskins. Enough about the Wizards. Uh, I love when, I love Aaron when I sort of have the idea of doing something Wizards related because it's in the news, but keeping it super short. And then it goes 10, 15 minutes and people perhaps don't really care much about them. And I, I know they are irre- totally irrelevant right now on the local sports landscape. They are. It pains me to say that, but they are. Um, Kareem Copeland in the Post this morning uh, wrote something that I wanted to read because I think there's some new information about Trent Williams in here. I said yesterday that we're gonna. there's going to be some story on Trent Williams or Brandon Sheriff. I felt like it was imminent, mostly because we're getting ready to start training camp. Um, but he wrote in this morning's um, story on Trent Williams... Uh, that he said, first of all, and this was the reporting yesterday, I think after the podcast, I don't think we had this on the podcast, that Trent Williams more likely than not will not report to training camp. Kareem Copeland in the Post wrote, quote, one person with knowledge of the situation did not believe Williams would be in attendance when camp started and was unsure whether the holdout would drag on into August. The person spoke on the condition of anonymity given the sensitive nature of the situation. Uh, he went on to say a different person who is familiar with the Williams thinking on the matter confirmed he was frustrated with the way the medical staff had handled a recent issue. That recent issue being the scalp surgery that Williams had. Um, another person, uh, in Kareem Copeland's story, another person said, uh, who who Kareem writes is familiar with the Williams thought process, said the surgery gave Williams a scare. Um, the belief is that Williams is taking a stand for the entire team, Kareem Copeland wrote. 
There have been multiple complaints about Washington's medical staff in recent years. He has the clout within the organization to voice his displeasure without the risk of significant retribution. Uh, So this is a story in reading it this morning that had, you know, multiple sources, all right, um, adding to the story or at least refreshing the story and making it much more about the medical than about a new contract. My belief at the time when this broke and he didn't show up for mandatory minicamp was that this was more about leveraging his current situation, which is, hey, they don't have another left tackle. He's only got a couple of years left on his deal. He's approaching that age where the next deal is perhaps his last big deal, and he was going to take advantage of it to get a big new contract extension from the Redskins. Um, I think that that's what it was more than the medical, but I think that there was some backlash to the discussion that this could be more about money. I think most fans and a lot of media people said, No, you've got a decent-sized contract. You've got two years left on it. You haven't played 16 games. You're getting older. It's not the right thing for the team to do to rip up this deal and give you a new deal and to give you an even bigger deal than the one you have. And perhaps with that, he said, well, let me go back to this being more about a stand about the medical. That's just one theory I have. I do think that Trent Williams had a life scare, and realized, hey, this may be my last chance, and I've got a lot of leverage right now, and I should try to strike while I have this leverage for my one last big contract. And I don't don't blame him for that. He's got two years left on the deal, but I wouldn't blame the organization if they said no. And if he said, well, then I'm going to hold out, then I wouldn't blame the organization for trying to deal him. That would be my preference rather than giving him a new deal. My number one preference, if I'm not going to get significant compensation back, although I think there could be a situation in the next few weeks where a contending team all of a sudden, because of injury, has a need for a left tackle and maybe is willing to give up a first-round pick for Trent Williams. I could see that happening on a Green Bay team or a Chicago team or a Minnesota team or you know a team that, that doesn't have much depth along the offensive line, loses their starting left tackle, they could get desperate and, and send the Redskins a first. And if that if that situation became available, I would kill them for not accepting it. Because, again, my mindset is 2019 is not a contending season, and 2020, more likely than not, won't be a contending season. So let's look at the young group we have on defense, the young situation potentially at quarterback, the young situation at running back, some of those young receivers, and let's start acquiring picks to keep adding young talent so that by 2021-2022, this is a really good roster. Uh, Anyway, I just thought that the Kareem Copeland story really – made it sound more like this is a medical gripe and that his concern is about the medical staff. And we have heard this before about their medical staff. A little bit of breaking news from the Redskins per uh, Aaron Hawksworth. Here is uh, Mason Foster's being released. Interesting. That is really interesting because I'm trying to think who I read 
very early this morning that said not one inside linebacker on this roster is a, is a lock to make the team. And obviously some are going to make the team because you need outside linebackers. But um, that's a save. What's the cap savings there? It's like three. It's right around three million because we thought this could happen, you know, prior to free agency, if you recall. Right. Does it uh, does I'm, it indicate the cap savings? I forget I, I, what it is off. I, I'm off pulling hand. it up on uh, Sport Track here. Okay. Uh, it says uh, his cap hit for 2019 would have been 4.25 dead cap. So it seems like four million. Okay. I think it's less than that. I think I did the math a while before free agency, and I thought it was less than that. But still, so they're saving a little bit of money there. But remember, who are their inside linebackers right now without Mason Foster? Well, Sean Dion Hamilton is one of them. Um, you, they, they remember they signed, uh, John Bostic, uh, as an inside linebacker. Um, they, you know, uh, injured is Reuben Foster for the season. They drafted Cole Holcomb. Um, help me with this. Uh, Josh Harvey Clemens as a, as an inside backer. They drafted, um, well, they drafted Cole Holcomb. That was the that was the one inside backer that they drafted. They are they are turning loose a veteran inside linebacker who's been a tackling machine, mm-hmm. and has also you know not been happy at times. You know he's he's wavered in his level of happiness with the team. I, somebody will pick up Mason Foster. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, let, let's put he was projected to be the starter. Yeah, they must have seen enough from Holcomb, from Sean Deion Hamilton, who I liked last year. Um, and maybe even from Bostic. Very interesting. I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at uh, Our Lads is a great site. I don't know if you ever use that. They have a full uh, depth chart. They had listed Foster and Bostic as the presumed uh, starting middle linebackers. Obviously, they weren't, you know, basing it off anything inside. But yeah, I mean, Bostic, I think, might be the guy who steps up here. I guess. But remember, I asked Cooley that. I asked, asked him about the possibility that Bostic would start, and he said, that's not likely. Uh, I'm pretty sure Cooley said that. It could have been JP who said that to me. I I, I forget. Um, but anyway, all right, well, there you go. Uh, news uh, before training camp breaks or starts, I'm sorry, on Thursday that Mason Foster has been released. And, and who broke that story? So Aaron Hawksworth. Ready? Aaron Hawksworth from Channel 7. Not Channel 7 anymore, NBC Sports Washington. All right, there you go. Um, by the way, a couple of other quick th- uh, Redskin things before we get to Tommy. Um so they have this Forbes list, you know, that comes out every year, valuing franchises, uh, sports franchises, the 50 most valuable sports franchises. And the Redskins have been a consistent, you know, top 10 type of franchise, despite the lack of on-field success. I mean, the Cowboys haven't had much uh, on-field success either. They are the number one sports franchise, according to Forbes, with a value of $5 billion. Now, there's something else about the Cowboys that I'm going to get to that blew me away um, and probably uh, makes Dan Snyder more jealous than the value alone. And I'll get to that in a moment. But the Redskins are the 14th, actually tied for the 14th most valuable sports franchise. They're tied with the Cubs with a $3.1 billion valuation. That is a 0% change from where it was a year ago. So it didn't go up, it didn't go down. Um, other NFL teams ahead of the Redskins are the Rams, the Giants, um, the Patriots. Uh, those are the NFL teams ahead of them, and, and the Cowboys, obviously. So the Redskins are actually the fifth most valuable 
NFL team at $3.1 billion, but the Cowboys are number one in all of sports at $5 billion. If you're interested, number two were the Yankees at $4.6 billion. Uh, Real Madrid uh, has a $4.24 billion value. Barcelona was next. And then the Knicks at five overall um, with a $4 billion valuation, the most valuable NBA team despite their lack of on-floor success. Uh, then it's the Manchester United, the Patriots, the Lakers, the Warriors are ninth, and the Giants are tied for 10th with the Dodgers. Um, what's interesting about this is, first of all, half of the 50 are NFL teams. We knew that. I mean, that's basically what it's been. Um, the NFL teams, because of these lucrative TV deals, are the most valuable in sports with, you know, these soccer teams, um, you know, uh, abroad being right there with these NFL teams. Um so the Cowboys reported in 2018 365 million dollars of operating income. So just think of, you know, essentially uh, profit before taxes and some of the other stuff. It's an EBIT number, not an EBITDA number for those of you that understand that stuff. 365 million dollars essentially in operating income uh, or pre-tax profit. That's the most by far in the NFL. Nobody's close. The Redskins are at 122 million in operating income. The Redskins and the Cowboys used to be 1-2 in operating income in revenue and in profits. And the Redskins have dipped and the Cowboys have grown significantly. That's the number more than the value. I'm sure that Snyder looks at as a business person and says, "We're not making enough money." The Cowboys are making $365 million pre-tax. We're at $122 million. They're three times bigger as an operating business than we are. That is an unbelievable disparity between the Cowboys and the Redskins. And it used to be close. I don't remember specifically what it used to be, but one has gone north and the other has gone south. And we know why the Redskins have gone south. They're still all sharing in the same television dollars, but the Redskins aren't selling anywhere near as much merchandise. They don't have the same corporate sponsorships, and they clearly don't have the gate that the Cowboys have in that huge stadium. And there are other you know, ways the Cowboys make money as well, and they're making a lot more money than the Redskins are. I guarantee you that Snyder couldn't care less about the value disparity of $5 billion and $3.1 billion and cares mostly about the Redskins being a third of the size of the Cowboys when it comes to operating income. It's amazing. Uh, by the way, if you're curious, um, I mean, the, the Patriots' operating income is at $235 million. So still, you know, $130 million more uh, the Cowboys uh, generate in profits. Um, and then the Giants are at 149 million more than 149 total million. And then I think it's the Texans, believe it or not, before the Redskins come in at 122 million. But I guarantee you that that is a number that Snyder talks to Bruce Allen and everybody in the organization, especially on the sales side, about all the time that we are not making enough money. Well, you know what? Put a better product on the field. You put a winning product on the field, and that number will change. All right, let me get to Window Nation. Uh, the intense summer heat was certainly back um, over 
the weekend, even though it cooled off today. And that summer heat's causing your old leaky windows to produce unnecessary high-energy bills, allowing damaging UV rays to fade your valuables, making your windows even less effective. Well, listen up. While the kids are at camp and families are taking vacation, my good friends at Window Nation, Harley, Aaron, Eric, and all of them, they're working hard. They're trying to satisfy their already existing 80,000 satisfied customers, which includes me. Their A-plus Better Business Bureau rating tells you how good they are. Right now, they've got extra capacity. They want to keep their factory busy. They've got installers working. So for the first time ever, you'll get one free window for every window you buy. That's not new. What is new, however, no down payment, no payment of any kind, and no interest for 24 months, for two years. I promise you that Window Nation is worth the call at 866-90-NATION. I've used them. Many of our listeners, many of my friends have had windows installed by Window Nation. There's no risk to call them to come out and give you a free estimate. And again, right now, if you buy, you'll start saving and pay nothing for two years. Trust Window Nation. They are the company that I trust when it comes to Window Nation. You can visit them at windownation.com or call them at 866-90-NATION to get one free window for every window you buy. By the way, no minimum or maximum purchase required there. Plus, no down payment, no payments of any kind, and no interest for two full years. Call soon. This deal ends. This sale ends on July 31st. All right, let's bring in Tommy, who is uh, taking some time off, um, and he is in the Poconos, uh, enjoying himself. And you're nice enough to break away from the crowd and your family to to call in. I I, I wanted you to call in today because I I spent a little bit of time yesterday and a little bit more time today talking about you know all of these big you know <clears throat> transformational moves within the Wizards organization because. Clearly, um, I, they're very difficult to, to to figure out, you know, in in just reading the press release. But but basically, they've added some uh, you know some new names, and they they've made Tommy Shepard the permanent general manager. What did you make out of all of it? Are they going to win the title in a few years? Well, you know what? <laughs> We've come a long way from the Wizards' general manager's job being the best, most important open job in sports, haven't we? I think so, yes. Good good <laughs> point to, to, to remember yeah. that, yes. Yeah, we've come a long way from that, this haven't was, we? Basically. <laughs> this was the major reboot for the most important available job in all of sports. You know what? If yeah. I, I may have Tommy Shepard on the show tomorrow, that's the first question I'm going to ask is, how did it feel <laughs> to nail down the most important available job <laughs> in all of sports? And he's going to say, you mean me being in charge of the eSports team? Right. Because he's in charge of that. Too, yeah, now, I, I, I know. So what do you, Look, ma- what do you make all this? Organizations don't do this unless they've been a disaster. I mean, this is this is this is like turning, twisting yourself inside out because you have no answers. That's what it is. And basically, let's remember, this is like Plan C or Plan D. I mean, originally they wanted to hire the guy from Denver, Tim Conley, and he turned them down. Then, despite what else you would read anyplace else, they went after Messiah Jerry in Toronto and got their head handed to them with the threat of tampering charge. So that didn't work either. And look, if they had hired Messiah Jiri, none of this other stuff happens unless a Jiri wants it to happen. There's no director of feel-good 
or anything like that, like, like there is now. So we're on to plan C or D, at least. Wow, that, but that's not what he said, Tommy. This was, I know. you know, this was a uh, a new. This is a new leadership team with forward-thinking structure that's going to adapt to the new NBA and give them every possible strategic advantage with a leadership brain trust from inside and outside the NBA to challenge our thinking and adapt to an ever-increasing competitive environment. You didn't read the press release, you know. It took them know. a while to get to this, but this is what they've created. Yeah, this is doesn't right sound like Plan D. Well, it is. <laughs> it is. So we need to remember that. Yeah. And this is this is something right out of his days with AOL. Oh. That's what it is. This is this is like this got the AOL blueprint all over it with synergy and holistic approach <laughs> and, and, and all that stuff. And then he had the nerve to mention the Clippers and and their path to success and what they've done. The Clippers are successful now going into next year because of one guy, and his name is Jerry West. Yeah. yeah they don't it, have any Jerry helps. West up there. Yeah, it helps. So, um, look, it, I, it, who knows? It may work, but let's – I mean, but this, this town, I'm telling you, I mean, people cover teams on their knee pads, with knee pads on. <laughs> okay. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's ridiculous, Kevin, the way people say, hey, Maybe this is a good idea. Oh, Maybe this will work. That's your first move. Well, it's because they understand core competencies, and and they're buy, they, they they've given him their buy in, and and they're very synergistic with him. I mean, look, he's oh. a, he's empowered everybody here. It 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 it's just drives me nuts the way he speaks. And somebody ripped me on Twitter for for belittling the way he speaks. Not belittling. I'm just annoyed by it. I, I just I always find and have always found that people that can't speak directly in a way that ninety percent of the people will understand are hiding something most of the time. You're but, right. But anyway, um, I, uh, I I I if if none of look, I like Tommy Shepard. I actually I I think he's a quality guy and will be fine. But it doesn't matter if they can't land the next KD or LeBron or Kawhi. I don't know how all of this stuff gives them a better chance of landing those people unless Shepard has just a much better eye um, for, you know, Steph Curry at 7 or Kawhi Leonard at 15 or, you know, Giannis at 16. You know, if he's just got a much better eye than, than, than Ernie, hopefully he does. But that's one person. You know, that's not a, that's, that's not, that's not a result of a new organizational construct. If one person can't call a shot on the basketball operation, now I, I, I assume Tommy Shepard won't be as as obstructive as Ernie was. Ernie ran a one man show to a fault. He didn't allow any uh, opinions to sway him one way or the other. It was Ernie Grunfeld, and he shut everybody else out. That's actually what helped Tommy Shepard because he could look Ted in the face and be honest and say, "Look it." I mean, I told Ernie not to do this, but he didn't listen. I mean, because Ernie didn't listen to anybody. So maybe Tommy Shepard's different. And I think, for the most part, it appears that he's made some decent moves early on in his tenure as assistant general manager. But let's not go crazy. He, He didn't earn the job. He didn't like, I mean, people said he earned the job. I mean, he's. 
he's not okay. We don't know what the results are going to be. Yeah, he... I mean, I think he's a, I think he's a good guy, and I think he could be successful. And you know, I think he's got tremendous, diverse NBA experience in all kinds of roles. But still, like you said, I mean, it's it's not brain surgery to figure out how to be successful in the NBA. All right, let's move to something else because I, I think actually, and I, I know I say this all the time and I continue to talk about them, but I am convinced sometimes when I'm sitting here talking about the Wizards, I have this, I, I have this internal sort of sense that, oh my God, nobody gives a shit. Move on to something that people care about. So that's <laughs> what we're going to do right now because the Redskins actually start training camp. Uh, on Thursday, yes. and I actually wanted to start with, did you see what Adrian Peterson uh, said yesterday about Case Keenum? Did you? Did, yeah. Did, oh, he's, he's making the case for Case Keenum to be the starting quarterback, and I don't know if he's speaking for himself, if he's speaking for his teammates, or if he feels he needs to speak for his coach to give his coach a little edge going into training camp. Yeah, I mean, just for those that missed it or didn't hear it yesterday, um, Adrian Peterson was at SportsCon in Dallas, which is the Comic-Con for sports uh, in Dallas. And he said, quote, offensively, we look, we really look good with Case Keenum back there. He's a veteran. He's been in the league for a long time. He's a gunslinger. He's a guy that's going to throw the ball and spread it around, closed quote. Um, yeah, I mean, that is that's a pretty clear – you know, message that a veteran like Adrian Peterson, who could be in his last season in the NFL, you know, could be, d- doesn't want, you know, to live through what would be a, you know, a typical rookie season potentially with, with Haskins, which usually does not result in playoffs. Yeah, look, he knows that if, if they go into the, the season with a rookie, that teams are going to stack the run and force the Redskins to pass. And that's not a good formula for Adrian Peterson. No. So, uh, no, no. So, I, I mean, I just kind of curious. He seems like a pretty smart guy and a leader. Uh, I, I just wonder if this is he's, – he's just speaking off the cuff or he just anticipates that uh, they're going to need all the help they can get in pushing uh, – Case Keenum as the starting quarterback uh, during training camp this year because other forces may be in the works against that. It is, um, from whatever we think about the state of the Redskins, and you know, there, there was a story, I don't know if you saw it, um, by this uh, financial website, Wall Street 24-7, that did a study on attendance drops in sports and the Redskins uh, attendance over the last 10 years have, have it's dropped it's the, the number one drop in the NFL by a long shot fifth most right. lost fans at the gate um, in all of sports and you know I, I mentioned yesterday that even pales in comparison to how you know significant the television rating drops have been for them over the years so we we do understand that there is a a significant level of fan erosion with this franchise right now with that said it's a very interesting training camp with an incre- with a very compelling storyline, which is, will he start the opener or won't he start the opener? That's the, that's the, the whole 
that's the number one storyline in this camp. People can talk about, oh, we got to find a receiver. Now they got to find inside linebackers. They cut Mason Foster today um, uh, as a cap savings cut, I'm sure. They may be more confident in some of their other players like Sean Dion Hamilton. Who knows? Um, people will talk about Geis, and, and they'll talk about Sweat, and I'll be talking about Sweat, but there's no storyline that comes close to the Dwayne Haskins storyline. I, I, I would disagree. I would disagree with you right now. I think Trent Williams is the major is the main storyline. Trent Williams, not not you know, if he doesn't report to camp, which nobody ex- expects him to. Uh, but but you know, the quarterback thing is right there. That's what's going to attract people to Richmond. People, if if people are going to go watch the Redskins in training camp more than they have in the past, they're going to see the, the rookie Dwayne Haskins in camp. And it's going to be look. I don't know. I don't have enough knowledge about how this works. But as of right now, uh, Jay Gruden has to divide reps up between three guys. I mean, he had. I mean, can he can he honestly give the rookie more reps than Case Keenum, who's who's you know supposedly learning the offense as well? Can he look at Colt McCoy in the eye and say we're not going to give you as many reps while he claimed there's a competition for the starting job? I mean, that that's 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 going to be a hard thing to do. All right, let me, let me go back and, and acknowledge that the Trent Williams thing is a big story. The more interesting storyline for Redskin fans is who is is whether or not Haskins is legit and how ready he is and will he play early or not. I, I still think it's the bigger story. But you're right, the Trent Williams story and following this here early in camp will be a big deal. Now, with respect to the reps, I, again, I think I brought this up with you. I brought it up with Cooley. Um, I don't understand why they just can't add a few more reps at the end of practice <laughs> for Dwayne Haskins if he's not getting enough. I mean, this is – Dwayne Haskins is the long-term plan and maybe the short-term plan, but at the very least he's the long-term plan here. How do you get him into long-term development if he's not taking reps – in, tra- in his first training camp. I don't understand because we've heard so often over the years, you know what, the backup quarterback and then the third-string quarterback really doesn't get to do much. Right. In fact, the third-string quarterback often gets more work as sort of the scout team quarterback than the backup does. Um, but I, I, I would think that here early in camp, Haskins is going to get significant reps, that these things are going to yeah. be split either two ways or three ways depending on Colt's health and that they're going to get a quick look-see in this first week of camp to see if he's got a legit chance to push Keenum and Colt. So do you think there's uh, a drop-dead date where Jay Gruden has to name a starter? No, I don't. I mean, I think there's a drop-dead date in which he needs to know who his starter is, but not that he needs to announce it. Okay. I I mean, you know, I mean, I'm getting – I'm getting – technical there, but I, I, I think, you know, Cooley told me and Shanahan told me, all right, after the draft, both of them said the same thing, that Jay will know within the first week of camp who his starting quarterback against the Eagles is going to be. He's going to know within the first week of camp whether or not Haskins has any chance to play early in the season. Now, whether or not he will tell us that is a different story. I don't know that he needs to tell us that. I don't think he should. I know that, but but we'll know by uh, by the second exhibition game, won't we? After the second exhibition game, 
I think we'll game? I think we'll know for sure when we get to the you know the all important third preseason game in Atlanta right. and we see who takes the majority of snaps in the first half or the first yeah. you know two and a half quarters. Yeah, um, so we'll know by then. Yeah, we could we could certainly okay. know by then. Um, but anyway, uh, that's it. Unless you had anything else, I know you're well, busy. Listen, I mean, yeah. you, you see that USA Today. Uh, had an article that says the Redskins are going to go three and thirteen this year. I didn't see that. I saw. Yeah, I saw. Pro, I saw. I saw Pro Football Talk this, m- this morning, which I think is Florio. More likely than not, it's it's Florio. Um, had them uh, as the twenty seventh ranked um, team in their in their new you know pre training camp power rankings. Here it is, right Look now. Look, I mean, twenty seven, three and thirteen. Three and thirteen is even a stretch for me. I think they have the potential to be four and twelve. Bad. I think they're going to be closer to seven and nine than than that. But uh, even I wouldn't say they'd be three and thirteen. I think that I think the chances that this season goes completely sideways, like twenty fourteen did, like twenty thirteen did, are are higher than normal, and that, that's saying a lot for this organization because they're already you know, pretty high, but it's higher than what they typically are. Last year, there was some confidence with a veteran quarterback that you traded for that he could take a team that had, you know, that had been very close to um, the the playoffs in in 26, made the playoffs in 15, you know, should have made the playoffs in 16, and without all the injuries, probably would have made a run in 2017. I think there was legitimate optimism last year. Um, this year, however, you know, you got lame duck coaches, you got coaches that left the organization for lateral, uh, for what ended up being lateral moves. You couldn't attract anybody here except for one guy whose dream it was to play for the organization in Landon Collins. Um, I think that, I think this season has the potential to go sideways much more than the last few did and sideways to me means three and 13, four and 12. It has that kind of possibility. Yeah. Now, if, yeah. they, if they stayed healthy and they played to the level of their roster, yes, yeah, seven and nine, eight and eight is a possibility. Not much better than that, in my view. I'm going to, Tommy, you and I have made predictions together on this team for pretty much the last 10 years together. This will right. be the worst preseason prediction of for me over uh, over the years that I've been doing this on radio or on the podcast I I do I just don't have a good feeling now I did not have a great feeling in 2014 either when they you know when Shanahan left when you know they brought in Jay Gruden I didn't have a great feel for that season either and I think I probably predicted seven and nine I can't imagine that when, when we get to the you know week of Labor Day after Labor Day when we start making predictions that my prediction will be any better than six and ten I just I don't see it I, I don't see like this dominant defense I I hope to see an improved defense. I would love to see a defense that approaches a top 10, top 12 defense, but that's not enough to win seven, eight, nine games on its own. Oh, but by the, I agree with you probably. By the way, uh, keep your eyes on Mason Foster's uh, social media uh, oh, yeah. accounts because yeah. he likes to, he likes he to likes go to off. talk. Yep, he's and gone off before. That he, yeah, that he got cut. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few bombs on there pretty soon. Um, 
Yeah, great point. Because he he will now if he wants a new job, he should be careful. Um, yeah, of course and, he should be, but but he shouldn't have done what he did in the first place. Yeah, on those social media accounts, you know. I mean, I don't think that's the way he seems to operate. I mean, he needs to shut up and just get another job someplace. That's what he'll need to do. I, I will tell you that I'm a little bit surprised. I would not have been surprised had he gotten released before the Reuben Foster injury, before you know free agency, or before the draft. Anyway, I'm a little bit surprised. They are they are thin at inside linebacker. They're going to potentially have to start a newcomer in Bostic, a second year guy in Sean Dion Hamilton, or maybe a rookie in Cole Holcomb. Now, I know that they like Josh Harvey Clemens, especially in coverage. Um, and who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe they take a guy like, I don't know, maybe Ryan Anderson's on the verge of moving inside, and that's going to be a big story here, you know, on Thursday or Friday. I don't know, but I think we would have known that in the mini camps and OTAs. Um, I'm a little bit surprised. Mason Foster, I, I always appreciated the kind of player he was. He was a tackling machine, he was smart, he made some big plays for this team over the years. Remember, they picked him up off the scrap heap in 2015. Oh, yeah. You know, on their way to a playoff uh, appearance. Yeah. Um, yeah, I right. remember that from Tampa. Do you have anything uh, else for me? No, okay, boss. I'll see you on Thursday, okay? Oh, real quickly. Um, what do you what do you think about this netting? You know, the Nats are going to be one of these teams to test the netting. Their game got rained out last night with the Rockies. They're going to test this netting all the way down the first and third base lines. What do you think of that? I'm okay with it. I don't have a big problem with it. I've sat behind netting before at, at games, and it doesn't affect my vision at all. You know, I mean, it does, it's, it's no big deal. You, you forget it's there, but that's just me. Yeah, you always have those good seats down there right behind home plate, <laughs> behind the netting. Um, all right, well, they, uh, I, I, I mentioned yesterday, the, these four games against Colorado, Colorado's terrible right now. they got to take advantage of these games uh, at home and uh, – and hopefully they can. All right, I'll let you run, and um, we'll talk on Thursday, I think. There's a chance we might take Thursday off, but I'll let you know uh, later today. Okay, boss. All right, have fun. I'll see you. All right, uh, Tommy, everybody. Um, quick word about stamps.com, especially if you are involved in a small business. You need Stamps.com. It's one of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses. Stamps.com eliminates trips to the post office and saves you money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. I know I'm running a small business here, the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. We're not quite doing the operating income of the Dallas Cowboys, but we're building it. We are building it, Aaron, aren't we? Uh, and Stamps.com has been a huge Huge help. Uh, it brings all of the amazing services of the U.S. Post Office right to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, which is what we do, or an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com handles it all with ease. Here's how it works. Use your computer, and you use your computer and your printer to Print official U.S. postage 24 hours a day, seven days a week for any letter, any package, any class of mail, 
anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, you just hand it to the mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. Now, here's the savings opportunity. With Stamps.com, you get five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. It's a no-brainer. Saves you time, money. It's no wonder over 700,000 small businesses already use stamps.com. Now here's more of an opportunity to get you involved. My listeners right now are going to get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and use my code. Type it in Kevin DC. That's K-E-V-I-N-D-C. That's stamps.com. Enter Kevin DC. All right, I had a few other things um, that I wanted to uh, to mention uh, today. Uh, I mentioned to Tommy that Nats got rained out, so they're moving that to Wednesday. It's a uh, a split doubleheader uh, tomorrow. Yeah, interestingly, it was MLB who called off the game. Normally, before the game, and you know, if the game doesn't start, it's up to the team to uh, to call it. But MLB stepped in and said, "We're calling this." Well, year. the forecast was really dire, and it right. didn't turn out to be that way everywhere. I don't know what it was down at the park. You know, in the immediate suburbs where I live, uh, Maryland suburbs, there was a heavy downpour at around 8.30 to 9, and that was it, yeah. basically. I don't know. It may have rained overnight. I, I You know, it, I'm not saying it was the wrong call. It's just interesting. You don't normally see MLB, and I wonder if it has to do with some of these situations where they delayed the game for hours just to cancel it or vice versa. Yeah, I mean, that may have been the case. Um, uh, I, I'm just – I'm into this – pennant race right now. Um, this is something that I actually watched a lot of the Atlanta series from from over the weekend. Um, you know, Colorado doesn't excite me as an opponent, but the Dodgers coming in this weekend and then, you know, the Braves next week. I mean, you've got some big series for the Nats in the month of, you know, at the end of July, August, we'll see what happens at the trade deadline. They are being mentioned right now as an aggressive you know, pursuer of bullpen help, but other teams and other contenders in the na- in the National League are looking for the same. Um, but this could be a lot of fun over the next two months um, for them to be in this pennant race. And look, if they end up being a wild card, how dramatic is a and- one game wild card to advance? you know, to a best of five against the number one seed. Well, even if it is just a wild card race instead of a pennant race, there's, what, six teams within about three games of the wild card right now. So that's going to be, I don't know if I would say just as exciting as a pennant race, but it'll be very exciting to see that, too. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, So there are a couple of other things that I wanted to get to. uh, Tommy mentioned um, some of these NFL power rankings that are flying out right now, you know, pre training camps. Many teams, actually several teams are already in training camp right now. Most report here at the end of this week. Um, but I, I did, I, I saw this story and I'll be honest with you. I must have missed the original story on this. Landon Collins, Michael Phillips, um, from our, our friend from the Richmond times dispatch, um, tweeted out yesterday that he chatted with Landon Collins and that the flight marshal's nickname is no more. Quote, oh no, we don't have a nickname yet. You've got to let the fans make that up. You can't just give yourself a nickname. Closed quote. That from Landon Collins. I had not heard the flight marshal's nickname to begin with. I think the Redskins social media around the time when they signed Collins and had those press conferences was slightly tried to push that. I do remember that being a thing and kind of rolling my eyes at it. Okay, now... 
what I what I read was that this may have been a nickname from late last year. I don't remember that at all. Now, late last year, a lot of us were checking out, even though we were talking about the team, we were watching more of other NFL games and other NFL teams, but I just, I had not heard the flight marshals thing. I'm just glad he said what he said, because this organization has spent far too much time over the years with self-anointed nicknames without any production or success, either previous to, uh, prior to, to, to naming themselves, whatever they've named, them, named themselves, or afterwards. It, it's been annoying to everybody to hear, you know, Capital Punishment or, you know, Hogs 2.0 or whatever it's been in recent years without any performance, any success. So I am glad that he said what he said. I would have been, if I had heard today for the first time that Landon Collins is nicknaming uh, his secondary or defense, the flight marshals. I mean, what is the flight marshals anyway? What does that even mean? I don't know. It's like, it's like, you know, some, I can't remember who it was. There was the no fly zone and some team had. They, so it's a, it's a secondary thing, yes, clearly. Yes. All right. So they're going to marshal over the air, I guess. I, yeah. Whatever it is. It would have been, I would have killed him for that. I've already been upset with how much discussion of his former team he's had and the predictions of winning Super Bowls, plural. You know, th- that leads me actually into this OBJ, well, th- this th- Odell Beckham he, Jr. story. Speaking of Collins, didn't he also say that uh, he was never going to refer the Giants by their name anymore? Yeah, and that, you know, these were going to be the most important games like for the next four years or whatever, the eight games against them are going to be the most important. Well, you know, you got 14 other games each one of those years that you got to play well in. But it leads me into this Odell Beckham Jr. story in GQ where the quotes made the rounds yesterday. He said, quote, he felt disrespected by the Giants. Um, my qu- This is a, the actual quote, quote actually. Um, quote, my initial reaction was not disappointment. I felt disrespected. Like after everything I've done for them, this is me being honest. This team has not been good for the last six years, period. Even the year we went to the playoffs and everyone was talking about this and that, and we went there, and I didn't have a great playoff game. Don't get me wrong, I had a terrible game, but I left the game with seven targets, and I'm supposed to be your number one receiver. I left the game with seven targets. We lost. They scored 40 points. It's just all bad. I felt disrespected because I felt like I was the main reason at keeping that brand alive. Oh, my God. The the narcissism. I felt like I was the main reason at keeping that brand alive. They were getting primetime games still as a 5-11 and 11 team. Why? Because people want to see the show. You want to see me play. That's just real rap. I'm not sitting here like it's because of me. Actually, you are. You just said it's because <laughs> of you. And then he says, I'm not sitting here like it's because of me, but let's just be real. That's why we're still getting primetime games. I felt disrespected they weren't even man enough to even sit me down to my face and tell me what's going on, closed quote. Man, the, the <laughs> unbelievable amount of time that Antonio Brown and OBJ and Landon Collins, these are the three that I've paid attention to the most, and they've been the most outspoken about their former teams. The amount of time they've spent talking about their former teams. If I'm their new team, I'm irritated by it. And if I've got big balls, 
I go to them and say, stop talking about your former team. Prove it to them on the field that they made a big mistake. That's what I want you focused on. I want you focused on proving on the field at how much they totally screwed up by letting you go or by trading you. Man, these receivers are out of control. Um, Just so everybody understands, OBJ, he's one of the reasons you watch the Giants the last few years. I was going to say, he's not completely wrong with what he said. But here's where he's wrong. Do you know, the Giants, whether they had OBJ or not, were going to play national primetime games against the the Cowboys or the Eagles or the Redskins. All right? I I can't remember their schedule last year exactly. I'm going to pull it up right now. Here's why you can say Um, it is right to to defend him a little bit. The Redskins... I'm not defending him at all. I'm going to defend him a little bit here. They did get more primetime games than most teams in their position, and a big part they of it... They always do because it's New York. But, it's the NFC East. The NFC East teams But Washington got, what, one, one this or two year, last year? Uh, last year, more than one or two last well, year, right? Well, take, take out the third. So uh, the, the one game against the Saints on Monday night. Right. What else? Hold on. i got to pull up the schedule because I, I can't remember it right off the top of my head. Um... They, they, had they had the Thanksgiving Saints, game. Saints if you Monday count that. night. Uh, they had the you know the four twenty five main Fox right. slot against Dallas. Yeah, so on they the had 21st. the Thanksgiving game. Um, they had the Thanksgiving Day game. They had the Eagles game on Monday night in December, um, which by the way was for first place. Um, and uh, and then they had the Saturday. Uh, well, that, game. that's not really a prime well. It's a time. national television game, but that wasn't you know that wasn't a, a highlighted feature. You know that was against the Titans. And, and anytime you're in a holiday weekend on a Saturday in the NFL, that's a big spot and gets a big national rating. And they try to put I, decent games I, on there. They I do the think Ravens that the Giants got maybe it. one extra game because they had a star like OBJ that people wanted to see. That's that's fine, and I'm not saying again. OBJ yeah. was a draw, but the Giants have drawn sure. a significant number of primetime games because, and they always will because they are New York. There's no, uh, there's no OBJ this year, right? So let's see how many primetime games they got this year. One, two, three. They got three this year. And that includes a Thursday night? That includes the Thursday night at New England, a Monday night against the Cowboys, and a Monday night at Philadelphia. Okay. So, you know, they're not, and, and they stunk last year, and they've stunk in the last few years. So they still – what did the Redskins get this year? Just two primetime games, right? Or just one, the Bear game. Is the Bears game the only pr- – remember how many 1 o'clock games they have? No, they do have a uh, – oh, yeah, the Bears game. And, oh, and, the, minute, the Vikings and, Thursday but the, night But game. everyone gets a Thursday night. So Everybody gets a that. Thursday night, yeah. So they got two this year. It's actually probably, if you look at in aggregate – for the NFC East, it may be the fewest number of primetime games ever because the Redskins and Giants are supposed to be so bad. But the Giants still got three primetime games, even without OBJ. And what they have last year? Did we figure out what they had last year? Uh, here's their schedule from last year. They had one, two, three, four. They had four last year, three this year. Anyway, Landon Collins and OBJ and Antonio Brown and anybody else that got traded and felt disrespected, they need to keep their mouth shut and go out and have a phenomenal season. You know, OBJ and Antonio Brown are projected to have great seasons. I actually like Landon Collins, liked the signing, even though I thought it was expensive, and I'm hoping that he will have a major impact on this defense. But you know what most NFL people think of Landon Collins? Outside of the top 10 in safeties, closer to like top 15 in safeties. 
I, I sort of had the sense when they signed him that he was more respected by NFL insiders than he actually is. By the way, I did write this stat down on OBJ um, with all of his uh, all of his self absorption um, in this GQ story. Last year, he caught twenty five percent of the passes thrown to him in tight windows per. Elias or Pro Football Focus or somebody. Now, does that it was tied for fifty seventh in the NFL? Well, d- does that factor in you know how catchable it was? Because Eli also was not very good last year. I, I I I'm sure that a tight window throw is the same for Devontae Adams as as it is for OBJ. I'm not talking about the guy that's throwing it, but in terms of how right. it's defined. I, I, I don't know what that stat exactly means because there's the tight windows. I, there are some sets that do f- kind of filter out catchable balls or whatever and others that here's what i saw 57th in the nfl in tight window throws and by the way in big games over the years he has not played well for them when they've had the few big games that they've had in fact that playoff game that he referenced would have been from 2016 right because that's when the giants came here at the end of the season um not needing to win the game remember and then they won the game um and they went on to, and and they got routed at Green Bay 38-13 and his final numbers were four catches 28 yards on seven targets. Actually it says 11 targets in the actual box score. So he actually lied about the seven targets. I hope somebody goes back and follows up in that GQ story. I didn't read the GQ story, but according to Pro Football Reference, which is the Bible, Odell Beckham Jr. was targeted in that playoff game 11 times, not 7 times. The most of any wide receiver or tight end or running back targeted by Eli Manning on that day. 11 targets, and he had 4 catches for 28 yards in that playoff game. Uh, So, um, a little uh, revisionist history there for him. Uh, There was something else that I wanted to mention, and I wrote it down. Mark Sanchez retired. Redskins yeah, he's going yeah, to be a college football <laughs> announcer. Um, oh, the, so anyway, Tommy mentioned this, and I wanted to go back to it. Pro football talk, and it is written by Mike Florio. Okay, so take it for what it's worth. I'm not a huge Florio fan. But um, they came out with their pro football talk pre-training camp power rankings. Patriots 1, Chiefs 2, Eagles 3, Cowboys 4. I mean, the Redskins are 27th. I've mentioned that already. And it, and you know what? I, I'm trying to think of the last time the Redskins, preseason-wise, had so little expected of them. I mean, it's been a, it, several times they've been picked to, to finish last in the NFC East or you know, or third in the NFC East, which is really what they're being predicted to finish now because the Pro Football Talk rankings have the Giants as the 31st-ranked team in the NFL. Uh, With Washington, by the way, Florio writes, yes, there's talent, but there's still real issues with the folks running the show, and they'll find a way at some point to keep the team from being as good as it can be. I mean, that's that's echoing the sentiment of this show, Tommy in particular, but I totally agree with it, and that is, you know, even if they find a way to a talented roster, you know, there is the threat and the aura of dysfunction, internal organizational dysfunction. 
But wow, the Cowboys at four. I'll tell you one thing about the Dallas Cowboys this year. I hate to say it, but I said it last year early in the season, Aaron. Remember early in the season, I said they are so good defensively. This guy, Vander Esch, is a star. This guy, Jalen Smith, is a star. And they turned out to be a great defensive football team last year. And they should be just as good, if not better. Not to mention they're well-coached defensively uh, as well. Um, now, will some of this stuff with Zeke Elliott, you know, uh, contract, holdout, getting Dak signed to an extension, Cooper signed to an extension, will it impact the, the team? Will it impact them offensively? I don't know. What does Jason Witten mean in terms of him, you know, coming back after a year? Um, I think he'll mean a lot to Dak Prescott. I actually do. Um, they have a very talented offensive line. You know, it's a very good offensive line. It's better than the Redskins' offensive line. They added Randall Cobb to that team. Um, I, it's a good team. Are they the fourth best team in the NFL? I don't see that in the NFC alone. I mean, the Rams and Saints are are better than the Cowboys. I I, I think on paper the Rams, Saints, and maybe even the Bears and the Vikings are better than the Cowboys, along with the Eagles. They've got the Eagles ranked ahead of the Cowboys. But I would think the Bears, Rams, Saints, perhaps Minnesota. I don't know about Green Bay. What about Atlanta? I like Atlanta this year, potentially. Um, The fourth best team in the NFL, the second best team in the NFC for the Cowboys? I don't know. They do have the Bears as the fifth best team. This could be a Bears year. They seem primed. To you know, he did a hell of a job last year in his first year, and that quarterback can play Trubisky. Vegas is taking more bets on Trubisky as MVP than any other player. Seriously? Yes. Is he the? He's not the favorite. No, he's not the favorite. Favorite, right? Yeah, no, he's not the favorite. He's at forty to one right now, but they're they've taken more bets on uh, Trubisky than anybody else. Let me just see on my site. It moved. I believe it start opened at a hundred to one. He's down to forty to one right now, depending on the book. Uh, right now, my site, Mahomes one, Luck two, Wentz three, Rogers four, Mayfield, Breeze, Brady, Roethlisberger, Deshaun Watson, Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Philip Rivers, no, Desha- your, Cam your site, Newton. Your site has Deshaun Garoppolo, a lot than others. Garoppolo, and then Trubisky. Yeah, and they're taking more on him than anybody. You know else? why? Because I think people think that this could be a Bears kind right, of a year. Exactly. If you think they're going to be thirteen and three, possibly the one seed in the NFC. Then you bet their quarterback. It makes sense. I don't believe he's going to win MVP, but it, the logic's there and the value's there, so I get it. Where's the first non-quarterback among the odds? Probably for MVP? Zeke or Sa- probably Zeke, fifty to one. I think he's around there. Aaron Donald. Oh, and then makes... and then Kamara, which does oh, that, make that, sense that, to me. Yes, that makes sense as well. And then McCaffrey, and then Elliott. Okay. Um, Kirk Cousins is in the top thirty. Of potential MVPs. You know, you know who's gotten actually a lot of tickets lately, apparently? Who? Derek Carr. Well, I mean, he's got Antonio Brown. He's, he's got some weapons. I mean, he's going to be throwing 60 times a game, so did, he's going to put up the numbers. Did they finally get that the, the Alabama running back Yes, he's signed. Under, yeah, okay. he's signed. Um, yeah, and then I'm just – let's look through some of these things while we're doing this. Might as well. Um, what about rookie of the year? Rookie of the it's year, be Kyler, Kyler yeah, Murray, Kyler's right? the favorite, I believe. Offensive on... rookie of the year. You know who's number two? Haskins on my site. Oh, really? Mur- Jones is or... Murray's three to two, and then Haskins is eight to one. So he's a distant second. Wait, so what? What's uh? 
Murray's a three to what's, two what's favorite. What's Josh Jones? Or Josh, uh, Josh Jacobs, Jacobs is ten to one. Really? Yeah, and Daryl oh. Henderson's ten to one. The guy from that's uh, Memphis. Va- that's great value there. 10 yeah. To one? Are you kidding me? Um, defensive MVP. Let's see if Sweat's mentioned anywhere. Sweat, I believe, was. Oh well, look at this. Yeah, Twelve to one. Twelve to one. Bosa's one. Mm-hmm. Allen's two. Devin White is eight to one. Quinn and Williams. Devin Bush, Ed Oliver, and then Montez Sweat. Actually, yep. uh, Sweat's got the same odds as Oliver. Wow. When's the last time the Redskins drafted a player that was in the top five candidates for Defensive Rookie of the Year? Ah, uh, it's been a long time. Well, yeah. maybe John Allen with, with his selection. Maybe Ryan Carey. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I think Montez. I think people are excited about Montez Sweat. And. Um, I told you this one a couple of weeks ago when I saw it, that Jay Gruden right now is the prohibitive favorite to be the first NFL coach fired at 3-1, to one, followed by Pat Shermer at 7-1. to one. Um, Let's update the this, this season win totals. Where are the Redskins? Still 6.5? Still 6.5. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? If you go under, minus 150. To play under plus one twenty on the over. I mean, so they want you. To, they're trying right. to incent some over action because they're getting too much under action at six and a half. Um, all right, what else do we have here? God, there's. I, I got a uh, for whatever reason my site just put up a lot of NFL futures bets. They they've been you know I think everyone's been kind of it's that time where you're seeing a lot more getting released here. Week one lines. Uh, the Eagles are still the biggest favorite at minus nine. Um, the second biggest favorite are the Seahawks, uh, minus eight over the Bengals at home. And the Cowboys are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over the Giants in that. Uh, that's a is that a, that's not a Sunday night game. The, the Steelers-Patriots was the that first Sunday I night game. I think so, yes. Redskins 12-1 uh, to 1 to win the NFC East, by the way, according to Westgate. Yeah, I mean, what are the Giants? 14. Yeah. Yeah, Eagles minus 125, Cowboys plus 150, Redskins uh, plus 1,200, Giants plus 1,400. To make the playoffs, uh, the Redskins are – it wasn't there. It's blank on making the playoffs. Um, all right. Um, oh, the, the other thing I was going to mention to you is that did you see what Maryland did for the Maryland-Penn State Friday night game in September? Oh, I have not seen this. They've already canceled classes on that Friday <laughs> Good. Which is a smart move. No, no kid for a Friday night. Well, I was gonna say, th- there's no real Friday night classes, anyways, are there? There, I don't. All Friday classes are so canceled. even the morning classes. Yeah, every the whole day is uh, canceled. They class they cool. canceled all uh, classes for Merrill. Merrill's got an interesting. I, I'm get. I'm actually getting legitimately excited for Mike Loxley's first season here. They've yeah. got some talent. The quarterback's going to be the key for mm-hmm. them. Whether or not this kid from Virginia Tech, Josh Jackson, takes over, although. I'm hearing some things about one of their true freshmen that they like a lot, but the um, but Maryland has an interesting schedule uh, and an interesting team. They've got you know if you watched Maryland last year, their skill position players are talented. I mean, really talented. They've got incredible team speed on both sides of the ball. But they play Penn State on Friday night, September 27th. It's a Friday night game on Fox Sports 1, on FS1, mm-hmm. in College Park. Not yes. Baltimore. It's not a FedEx Field game. It's in College Park. And uh, that's off of an opening three games against Howard, so they'll be 1-0 there. Then they play Syracuse at home. Is Syracuse going to be ranked? I don't know about ranked, but they're considered to be a – the Maryland schedule so fascinating this year because there's not a ton of games where it's just you write it off as losses – 
but there's almost no games that you just chalk up as wins either. This is a team that could go, I feel like, anywhere from three and nine to seven and five, and it wouldn't shock me. I, you know what? Here's the thing: you you have to when when it comes to this particular coach. I know a lot of people think, you know, this is high risk, you know, um, high reward. It's it's basically that situation with Loxley. This is either going to pay off big or it's going to be a disaster. That's sort of the way I feel too. Although the more I, I like, I watched a lot of that Big Ten, you know, football day, media day last week. I think it was on Friday. Watched the Loxley interview. He's just an impressive guy to me, uh, and he's going to get players, Aaron. He's going to get players. That's the thing that Maryland's always struggled. Now, Durkin had actually recruited and put you know, good classes back-to-back together, but you know, if you go back to their most successful teams, Ralph rarely had a top 20 or top 25 class. He had a couple of them, but not many of them. Yeah. Um, he did it with X's and O's. Yes. He really did. Bobby Ross, the same thing in the 80s. Loxley is going to get more talent to this program than I think maybe any coach ever has. He certainly has that opportunity. Yeah. He's a phenomenal salesman, a phenomenal recruiter. And we'll see whether or not the team ends up being well coached. They're in the Big Ten, and they're in the worst division and, and the toughest division, and, and that being the Big Ten East, you know, with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State and Michigan State. It's brutal. You know, to me, we've talked about this before. I would define Maryland football. I define Maryland basketball success as you got to be a legitimate Final Four contender every four years. You know, every four or five years, you got to be a legitimate Final Four contender. And in three of those four years, you better be in the tournament with a chance to make the Sweet 16. You know, if you're going to have one off year where you, you go to the NIT, that's fine. Maryland basketball's expectations much higher than Maryland football. Maryland football, I think Maryland football can be what it was under Ralph Regan in the ACC. Now, that's, that's different than the Big Ten, but I think they can be a consistent eight win team, bowl team, and maybe once every four years, they're pushing the 9-10 win season with maybe a game late in the year against somebody to potentially make a Big Ten title game. Although I know that's a reach, but one out of every five years have that happen. And then be a 7-8 win team year in and year out. I mean, I I just want them to go to the Vegas Bowl one year. That's all I want. I don't know why they can't be Michigan State in football. Yeah, they should be able to. Honestly, not the exact same. They're not Ohio State. They're not Michigan. They're not Penn State. They could be Michigan State. Sure. In football. They could be Wisconsin in football. Yeah, I mean, obviously, again, in a different style. But, yes, that success. Um, All right. Uh, I think that's it today, unless there's any other Redskins breaking news or any any other local breaking news. I don't think there is. All right, um, that's it for today. Again, um, the news uh, earlier uh, that Aaron Hawksworth broke is that Mason Foster um, is going to be released, or perhaps already was, uh, by the by the Redskins. And Aaron guessed right. the uh, The savings cap wise is roughly four million dollars um, by releasing Mason Foster. Going to be interesting at that position now. Like, who ends up being your starting inside linebackers on this football team? All right, um, tomorrow on the show, hoping to get Tommy Shepard on the show. I am I am efforting to get uh, Wizards GM Tommy Shepard on the show. We'll also talk, talk to uh, Mark Zuckerman. We'll do some Nats, more Nats tomorrow on the show as well. Have a great day.